Well, good morning. I didn't think I was going to be here today. And Brother Jim called me last, was it Monday night or Tuesday night? Monday night called and asked me if I'd be willing to come back and preach a little more. And I said, well, if you all have me, I'll be back. So I feel like a bad cold. I keep coming back. <clears throat> no, it's been a blessing to be a part of your church and to worship with you and to preach to you a little bit and open the precious old book. Amen. <clears throat> and see what God has for us. Excuse me just a minute. When you get a cough, right? When you, you know, something gets stuck in there every once in a while. Today is a very special day. And the reason I say that is because the scriptures that we're going to look at today and the things that we're going to discuss today are the basis of our salvation. Now, there's a lot of confusion in Christianity today and through the whole world about salvation. Some believe that it's simply by being a member of a church. Some will say it's about being a member of a certain denomination or a certain sect or a certain group of people. Some believe in predestination that God has chosen only a certain group of people and that those are the ones who get to go to heaven and really he doesn't care about the rest of the world. But John 3.16 tells us different than that, amen? For God so loved the world, the whole world, all of us. Everyone who's been alive, is alive, is going to be alive. That's who Christ shed his blood for. God just didn't go through and pick certain people like, well, you're going to heaven, you're not, you are, you are, you are, you're not, you're not. God didn't do that. Thank God he didn't, amen? Amen. I'm glad I'm a whosoever. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, right? I'm glad I'm a whosoever. But today I want to take a look, step back and really take a look at what we consider the basis, the foundation of our salvation. Now, some will say it's the death of Christ. And can I tell you, it's not. That is not the basis of our salvation. And I'll tell you how I know that. Because the death of Christ was temporary. Because we find that three days and three nights later, what happened? He resurrected. So if his death was temporary, temporary, what does that mean to our salvation? That means that our salvation is what? Temporary. But our salvation is not temporary, is it? Our salvation is eternal in the heavens. It's forever. Nothing, what can, the Bible says in the book of Romans, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Once you've accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Amen. Nothing. You could deny him. You can shake your fist at him. You could cuss him. And guess what, Brother Jim? He loves you so much. He's willing to overlook that. Because he sees the foundation of our salvation in you. That's been applied to you. All through the Old Testament, you know what we see? We see illustrations 
the foundation of our salvation. The Old Testament was given to us as a schoolmaster that we might learn from it and see the truth that the Apostle Paul was going to bestow upon us as the church as what applies to us today. The basis of our salvation. Folks, this gets me excited. I don't know if it does you or not, but it should. Glory to God because of what we're going to talk about today. Hallelujah, we got a home in heaven. Yeah! I say, Brother David, I ain't seen you get like this before. Well, hang around for a while. I'm telling if you can't get excited over the things of God, something wrong with you. I've seen Christians get more excited over a Reds baseball game than I have over the things of God. Folks, that's the problem with church. We don't enjoy it. We don't get excited about it. We don't get fired up about it. I'm telling you what, man, we ought to walk out of here today. I mean, lit up on fire. We're going to tell the world what's going on. Amen. Can I get, Brother Jim talked about being a little politically incorrect this morning in Sunday school. Can I get a little politically incorrect this morning? Can I, I have a doctorate degree in politically incorrectness, so I, I can handle it this morning. Look at here. Y'all ready? Black lives matter. They do. But all lives matter. All of them. It don't matter if you're black, red, white, purple, green, or polka dot. Amen? I am a Heinz 57 and I know it. I am made up of everything and everyone. You know how I know that? Because we all came from who? Adam and Eve. It don't matter. It don't matter how old you are, how young you are. It don't matter. Black hair, blonde hair, red hair, no hair. Purple hair. Amen. Y'all understand? What I'm trying to say is that we have got to get past this stuff. And the problem is, is that the church... And I'm just not talking about Grace Missionary Baptist Church. I'm talking about the, the body of Christ... We've, we've backed down. We've, we've hidden ourselves. Well, we don't want to offend anybody. Well, let me tell you something. Christ was so offensive when he was on this earth, they crucified him on the cross of Calvary because of what he preached. Paul said, be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. You know what we've got in the churches today? A bunch of mamby-pamby, chicken-livered people who won't stand up for the truth. Yeah. Well, Brother Dave, I used to like you till now. Well, just don't like me then, but you got to love me anyway. Let me tell you something, Christian, they're coming for you. And they're coming for your church. You know why? Because you're a threat. You remember what I said last week about the men of God, or the men in the church, families that run their home according to Scripture? What are they? They're a threat. You know who the devil's going to attack? Anything that is a threat. 
And you know what the church of God is today? We are the, we're not only a threat, we are the threat. Amen, Brother David. Y'all won't do it, I'll do it myself. <laughs> Come on, y'all, get with it. Look at here. The, we've forgotten the basis of our foundation. We've forgotten what Christ has done for us. Now, y'all looking at me like, well, what's the basis of our foundation? Well, let's go to the book of Leviticus, chapter 17. Leviticus chapter 17. Let's all stand together as we read the Word of God. I just, I just, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I like it. Amen? I like it. Leviticus chapter 17. Look what it says in verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood. You see that? It is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel, or the strangers that sojourn among you, which hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. For it is the life of all flesh, the blood of it is the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, you shall eat the blood of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof, and whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. You know what the basis of our, our salvation is, the foundation of our salvation? It's the blood. It's the blood. Thank God for the blood. Let's, let's pray for just a minute real quick. Father, I come to you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your blessed old book once again. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to open the covers and, and Father, to share with these, your people, the things that you've shown me. God, we see so many things and so many times in our life when, when we just take for granted, Lord, the precious blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I today want to thank you for what you allowed to happen to Christ. And Christ, I want to thank you for going through it. And thank you, Holy Ghost, for orchestrating all that happened that day. As our Savior, Jesus Christ, hung upon that cross and shed his blood to atone for our sin. Father, may we never take it for granted. May we never overlook it. May we continually thank you for the gift of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's just amazing to me. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd be with us during this service today. And God, if there be one here today that doesn't know Christ, that's never been anointed with the blood of Christ, I pray, Father, by the time we say the last amen and we all head to the house, 
that, Father, we'd have a new brother or sister in the family of God. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me today. Father, help people not to hear me, but to hear you. And, Father, it would be for your honor and for your glory. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for these things. For in the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 You can all be seated. Today, Christian, we have a bloody religion. Whether you want to believe it or not, our religion is based on blood. And it's based on the blood of Jesus Christ, the foundation of our salvation. Can you imagine for just a moment what it would have been like to have been an Old Testament Jew? Can you imagine that uh, your sins needed to be paid for? You needed to have forgiveness of God. And what you had to do for that was to atone for your sin. You had to bring an animal sacrifice to the temple or to the tabernacle. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have brought that animal into the tabernacle or into the temple and to lead it to the front there? I, I would assume or to the altar, that's the way it was. And as that, that offer laid his hand on the head of that animal, according to the book of Leviticus, and they slit its throat how the blood would have spewed out of that animal, how it would have sprayed everywhere. I mean, if you've ever been in a slaughterhouse, you know the smell and the aroma that comes with that. Could you imagine that that's what your tabernacle or your temple would have smelt like, that blood of those animals, the floor being slick with it, you being just coated with that blood. Imagine what the priest must have looked like with all the blood that had been around. You talk about a bloody mess, man, that was it. Could you imagine being part of something like that? But yet today, yet today, our belief, our Christianity is based on blood. It's based on blood that was shed over 2,000 years ago on a hill called Golgotha. Outside Jerusalem, as Christ hung upon the cross and shed his blood for the likes of you and I. Folks, that's the foundation of our salvation. That's what bought our atonement. That was the price that was paid for our sin. That's what God had to do in order to redeem his creation. Was to allow the blood of his son Christ to be poured out. I don't know about you, I have, Jerry and I, we have five children, three of them are boys. And there's not a one of them. Not a one of them. Y'all hear me? Not a one of them I'd give. I'd give myself for them. Before I gave them up. But God the Father loved us so much. And cared about his creation so much that he was willing to allow his son to go through the torture, the agony, the pain, the suffering, the embarrassment of all those things because he loved you. Amen. You. I've, I've thought about the crucifixion so much in my Christian life. And how that just everything had to just be so torturous upon him. I can't imagine he being taken before the soldiers and being ridiculed and mocked. I can't imagine them blindfolding him and striking him and saying, prophesy, who, who smitest thou? 
I've been in a few few scrapes in my day, and I'll tell you what, one of the most painful things you can get is just a bare-knuckle punch to the face. I've had the pleasure. But I've dished out a few too, amen. But I can't imagine what that, and you know, Christ could have told him exactly who hit him, Brother Glenn. He could have told him each and every one exactly what was on their heart. But as a lamb led to the shear, what? So he opened not his mouth. The embarrassment of being taken to Pontius Pilate and stood up before the, the crowd of people. People whom he loved, who he had tried to minister to and preach to for the last three and a half years of his life. And to stand there next to Barabbas. And for the people to say, release Barabbas. And to hear Pontius Pilate say, well, what would, what would you have me to do with the man who is called Christ? And to hear them say, crucify him. To take him away and have him scourged, beaten with a cat of nine tails. And you might think, well, that's not so bad. I've been switched before. And I've got my fair share of switchings from my mama, let me tell you. But a Roman soldier was highly skilled in the use of a cat of nine tails. And he could use it in such a way that he could peel strips of flesh off of the back of the one that he was beating. To see the blood fly as each and every time as that Roman soldier drew that scourge back. The flesh and the blood flying out of his body. The pain and the agony and the torment that he had to go through. Most condemned died during the scourging. And then to have his back torn and ripped apart in such a way. I, and, and the cat of nine tails sometimes would actually reach around the front and rip open the, the, uh, the organ cavity so the organs were exposed. You say, Brother David, you're, you're painting a pretty, groom, groom, a pretty gloomy picture. I want to. I want to. To have that crown of thorns taken and driven, not just placed, driven down on his brow to where the blood began to flow down his face. And then to take him and drag him outside and to throw that old rugged cross on his back that had just been scourged and probably, if you think about it, if you've ever had a cut or a wound like that, it hurts at the time, but eventually it kind of stops to hurt a little bit. But then to take that old rugged cross and to throw it on the wounds on his back. And to break all of that open again so the blood began to flow. And to cause him in that weakened state to carry that old rugged cross up Golgotha's hill. To take that cross off of his back and to strip him naked before all of mankind. And to drive a nail through this hand. And in some way, Brother Glenn, I, I don't know why my mind works this way, but in some way I can see the other... Uh, malef the, the, the two malefactors, the one on the left and the one on the right, after they'd nailed the one hand down, want to fight with the soldiers as they tried to grab that other hand and pull it out. But in some way, Brother Jim, I can just see if my Savior just take that hand and lay it out there willingly. And they drive a nail through the other hand and they cross his feet and drive a nail through his feet. I can't imagine the pain and the anguish of as they took that old rugged cross and stood it in the air and his weight began to hang on those three nails. 
And as they dropped that cross in the hole, in the socket in the ground, and the jolt that he had to experience, and the pain that had to happen at that point in time, because it says in Psalms 22, once you read the crucifixion psalm, it says that all of his bones were out of joint. And to hear the snap and the crack as all his joints just kind of come apart. And the pain, because as he hung, as he allowed the pressure to go off of his feet and he hung from his arms, it would cause the chest cavity to crush and collapse where he could not take a breath. So you'd have to go through the excruciating pain of pushing up on that nail that was through his feet in order to be able to breathe. The blood from, his, from the crown of thorns, the blood from his hands, the blood from the wounds all over his body, from the scourging, the blood from the, the nail in his feet flowing from his body. And then he says the most peculiar thing to me. He says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And I believe it was at that point in time that Jesus Christ took on him our sin. And God the Father had to turn his back on his son. They tried to give him vinegar mingled with gall, which is kind of a painkiller, narcotic. But he wouldn't take it. And finally, he said the most amazing thing. He said three words. It is finished. And you know what he did at that point? Some say he died. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. He willingly died. Do you all understand? He didn't die from the wounds. He didn't die from the beating. He didn't die from the, the act of crucifixion. He didn't die of suffocation. He said, it is finished. And being God Almighty, he willingly gave up the ghost. Later, a Roman soldier came by and put a spear at his side. And according to the scripture, what came out of the wound? Water and blood. You know why there was water present? Because water builds in the chest cavity when a person dies of a broken heart.
Ladies and gentlemen, that's the basis of our foundation, or the foundation of our, our salvation. It's the blood that was spilt that day on Golgotha's mountain. There's so many things the Bible has to say about the blood. And I this morning could take time to go through each and every one of them. I, I have a, a great homiletical five-point outline. <laughs> and I can tell you that it's a precious blood. It's a perfect blood. It's a purchasing blood, right? But folks, today, today, I want you to understand, that's what God did for you. And not only did Jesus Christ do that for you, but he's done it for everybody you know. And everybody you don't know. And it don't matter, like I said, if they're black, white, purple, red, polka dot, green, it doesn't matter. People need the blood of Christ. And I'm not talking about Holy Communion. I'm talking about realizing that because of your sin, you deserve to go to hell. You know, people don't preach about hell no more. People don't talk about hell anymore. But if you believe there's a heaven, guess what you have to believe in? You have to believe there's a hell. Brother David, do you believe there's a hell? You bet you. You say, how do you know? Because the Bible tells me so. And I'll tell you what I know about hell. It was not created for mankind. It was created for the devil and his angels. It was never created for us, for mankind. But when a person dies separated from God, what happens to their soul? If we're saved, if you're saved here today, I can tell you what happens. This flesh, this body ceases to function. Your, your, your heart ceases to beat. Your brain ceases to work. Your body immediately begins to break down from the dust that were created to the dust thou shalt return. But you're a triune being. God made us in his image and his likenesses, and God is in three parts, so is man. It's not just. David Cottrell is just not this chunk of meat you see standing in front of you today. I was created from dirt or the dust, and we're mostly water. That's why God called 
Adam, Adam. Because his name means earth. But part of my being is not only my flesh, but it's also my soul and my spirit. And according to Ecclesiastes, I believe it is, when I die, when a person dies, their spirit goes back to God that gave it. But what about the soul? What about the soul? That's it, sis. And you know what? The choice, the choice is up to you. When we realize, can I, can I tell you a story? Can I tell you, what, tell you what happened to me about 50 years ago? Sure. 50 years ago, I was sitting in a revival meeting in a Southern Baptist church in Vermilion, Ohio, at Lakeview Baptist Church. I was there with my mom and my dad. And the pastor who was preaching that night, his name was, oh, I remember his last name. It was Pastor Green. And that night he got up and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I knew that night that because of my sin as a, as a nine-year-old boy, I was on my way to hell. I had no doubt. I was absolutely secure. I, I, there was no, no, no talking me out of it. But that night I knew I was on my way to hell. And I knew real quick, Brother Glenn, I didn't want to go. That was no place I wanted to be. Now, some of you might think this is funny, but I'm at least man enough to admit it. I didn't get saved because I love God. I didn't get saved because I wanted to be like Him for eternity. You know why I got saved? It's real simple. I didn't want to go to hell. And I knew that's where I was heading. But that preacher that night told me there was a way of escape. And that way of escape was through Jesus Christ. That if I would confess my sin, repent of my sin, and ask Christ to forgive me of my sin and come into my heart and my life, and be my Lord and my Savior, that he would forgive me. And I'll never forget this, Brother Jim. He said this. He said, and he will wash you in his blood. The old hymn says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. It's not the tub. It's not baptism. It's not church membership. It's not being a part of a, of a, a sect or a cult or anything like that. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I mean to tell you folks, I was, I was sitting on the right side over here on this side about two-thirds of the way back. A couple years ago, I took my wife to that church and showed her exactly where it happened. I mean, I was shaken, man. I was a mess. And that preacher started to give the invitation, and he, he asked for a raise of hands. 
of who needed to be saved, who was concerned about their salvation. Well, boy, my hand went, I couldn't stop my hand from going up. And there was, there was a lady on this side of the church who raised her hand as well. And that preacher said this. He said, he said, young lady, he said, are you concerned enough about your soul to come forward tonight and allow us to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure that Jesus is your Savior and heaven's your home? And that lady did not move. And he said, all right. And then he said this. He said, young man, and I knew he was talking to me. He said, do you care enough about your soul tonight to come forward and allow us to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure that Jesus is your Savior and heaven's your home? And my dad reached down and put his arm around me. And he said this, he said, son, he's talking to you. Now, I don't know about you, but I was raised in a very disciplined home. And the last thing you would ever consider doing in our home was laying your hand on dad or mom. I reached over and pushed my dad out of the way. And went past him and came for, went forward that night. And that preacher met me at the front. And he said, why did you come forward tonight? And I looked him right in the eye and I said, I need Jesus Christ. Because I do not want to go to hell. I said, I need to get saved tonight. I told him, I said, I will join the church. I will be baptized. I will do whatever it takes. But I need to get saved tonight. And that preacher looked at me and he said, you don't need to do all that. We sat down right here. And he took his Bible and showed me that if I'd confess my sin and ask Christ to forgive me and ask him to save me, that he would. And as best as a little nine-year-old boy could do, I prayed that night and asked Christ to save my soul. Now, folks, I'll tell you what. That was 51 years ago. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I've always been confident in it. Because if you've been saved any amount of time, guess what you've what's happened to you? You've doubted whether you've been saved or not. You all know it's true. But you know what I've done in my Christian life? There have been times when I've been convicted through the preaching and I'm just like, man, I've got to make sure of this thing. And in my mind, I would reach out and say, devil, you just come because I've had enough of this. And then it just in a, in, a, in a way, I would grab that devil by the hand and I would drag him to the altar one more time. And I'd say, watch this. And as I'd begin to pray, 
God would take me back to Lakeview Baptist Church in the month of September of 1970 when me and that preacher sat on the front row that night. What I'm trying to tell you is this. My life hasn't been the same. God, I've seen God do stuff in my life, in the life of my wife, in the life of our family, that can only be explained as God. And I can't imagine where we would be today if I had not, as a nine-year-old boy, sat down with that preacher that night and accepted Christ. Folks, it's real. It's real. It's true. Can I tell you this? It's awesome. It's awesome. Because you know what I found? I don't have to face life alone. Well, uh, yeah, Brother David, you're married. There's times her and I don't have to face things alone. You get worried about things, you, you fret about things, you look at things. You know what I found out? Christ is already there taking care of it. And he knows how it's going to work. He's already where it's already worked out. So what are you worried about? I've faced a few things in my life where, man, I didn't know if I was going to make it through to the next day or not. I didn't know if the doctor was going to come in and give me bad news or not. But you know what I finally realized? If it's good, if it was good news, it's good news. And if that doctor walked in and he said, David, man, I, I got bad news. It's still good news. It's still good news. Because I know Christ, and He knows me, and the blood has been applied. In the book of Exodus, when the nation of Israel was in captivity in Egypt, there was a night called the Passover. You remember what the qualifications was? The doorpost and the lintel. The lintel went across the top, the post went down the sides. You know what that's a picture of? Picture of the cross. Lintel, lintel. I'm sorry, doorpost, doorpost, lintel. And as the blood would have dripped from the lintel, it would have fallen on the ground. It would have been a perfect picture of the cross. But when he sees the blood... What does he do? Passover. He passes over. You know what Christ is looking for at the day of judgment? The blood. The blood. Not your name on a church roll, not your name being a certain denomination or anything. He's looking for the blood. The blood. So I have a question for you today and I'll be done. 
has the blood been applied to you? Are you saved? Do you know Christ in a personal way? Has there been a time in your life when you knew for sure you were on your way to hell? And there was no doubt about it. You knew you were, if you died right then, you'd have busted hell wide open. But the Holy Ghost of God began to speak to your heart and show you the way of escape. And that way of escape is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Has that happened to you? You might be here today and you say, Preacher, I, I don't know Christ. You were like me as that nine-year-old boy who knew for sure he was going to hell. Maybe that's the way you are today. Well, folks, let me tell you, you don't have to go. Christ will meet your need. And he will wash you in the blood and make you clean and holy and perfect. Isn't that an amazing thing? And you, you can walk out of here today knowing in the bottom of your heart, saying, I ain't got to worry about hell no more. I led a man to Christ one time. And when he got done praying, he never lifted his head. He just sat there. And he just sat there with his head hanging. And we must have sat there for two or three minutes. And finally, to him, I said, are you all right? And he shook his head like this, and he said, I just can't believe it. And I said, what? He said, ain't got to worry about hell no more. I have never forgotten that phrase. That will stick with me till the day I die. You know what I believe? He got it. He got it. So today for just a moment, let's all stand for just a minute. And let's all just bow our heads real quick. No one's looking around but me. And I know some people may not like invitations like this, but when you're preaching, you can do it your way. I'm preaching, I'll do it mine. But no one looking around. I want to ask a very simple question today. And this is, this is not because I'm being nosy. It's simply because I care about you. But if you're here today and you don't know Christ, if you were to die right now, you know you'd go straight to hell. Would you just raise your hand and say, Preacher, that's me. That's me. Just raise your hand and say, Preacher, that's me. Are you concerned about where you'd spend eternity? Maybe you're here today and you're worried. You'd say, I, I'm not sure if I got saved or not, or, or I, I'm not sure that uh, it all worked right. Let me tell you something. There's no A, B, C, D, E, F, G steps to it. It's simply about accepting Christ and asking Him to forgive you. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to do like I've done so many times in my life. Just grab that devil by the hand and say, you come on with me and watch this. And bring it to the altar today. And walk here today without a doubt, knowing that you're saved. So I'm going to do this. No one raised their hand, but that's okay. But you can still come to the altar today. And if you need someone to pray with you, we'd be glad to pray with you. 
If you need someone to, to show you more about Jesus Christ and, and how he cares about you and how he wants to save you, we'll have someone take a Bible and show you you can know for sure that heaven is your home and that Christ is your Savior. Maybe there's just some other need that you need to pray about and you want to bring it before the Lord. Altars here. And we need to use these old altars. We've lost that in churches today, the use of the altar. So if you need to come, you come. Come right now. Come right now. You say, well, Brother David, there's no music. You don't need music. You just need to come. It's not about the music. It's about you and God, your relationship with the Lord. Amen? Amen? It's about talking to God. This is very precious, very special time. Would you just come right now? Come on. Some people are coming. Come on. Just come on. You know why the church had vacation Bible school last week? To tell those children about a loving Savior that they didn't need to go to hell. Do you need to pray? Come on. Come on. People are coming. You come. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't be shy. No one's going to look at you any differently one way or another. Brother David, I need to get out of here and go home. I got a roast in the crock pot and it's about to burn. Don't worry about it. I'll give you another one. I got a freezer full of them. I'll give you another. Don't worry about it. This is God's time. Will you come and pray? Will you come and confess your sin before God? And just say, oh God, save me. Save me. And he'll do it if you'll come today. Would you come and be washed in the blood of Christ? Would you come and be made clean? Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Would you come? Christ is dealing with hearts today. The Holy Ghost of God is dealing with hearts today. God the Father is dealing with hearts today. I know he is. Would you come? Come on, right now. Come on. Come on. Sometimes I think it's better in the stillness as God deals with hearts.
Jared. And I want to say one last thing and I'll be done. But there's victory in the blood of Christ. There's victory in the blood of Christ. You know how I know that? I've read to the end of the book. And I know who wins. I know who wins. There's victory in the blood. God's good to us. All the time. Amen. You see, this is what we need. It's what you need. I, I used to tell my church people this. They, they, <clears throat> I, I built a church of people I basically won to Christ. You think that's hard to do? <laughs> it's hard to do. But then they start coming to church, and they get, they get concerned about some of their relatives or their friends or so on. They come to me and they say, Preacher, I don't know what to tell them. I said, do like Paul did. Tell him what happened to you. And then I said, if you can't make head or tails out of that, I said, you bring them to church and I'll tell them. So I'm going to challenge you the same way. You say, preacher, I don't know what to tell somebody about the Lord. Bring them to church. And if the guy standing behind this pulpit is worth his salt, you know what will happen? He'll tell them. He'll tell them. That's what it's all about. That's why we gather together to worship and to praise, but mostly to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to, we're not going to sing a song to, to end on. I, I just want you all to walk out of here today knowing that there's victory in the blood. And that people got victory today. And you might say, well, tomorrow, tomorrow something might come up. And you might say, I need that victory. Guess what? It's in the blood. Just plead the blood. All right, let's pray and we'll dismiss and go home. Brother Glenn, you dismiss us, would you?